Good morning. It is always a joy to be here at St. Michael's among old, now what I consider old friends, right? It's been a, I was reminded 2017 was uh, my first sojourn here. My heavens, it's been a while. And I will say that uh, I am grateful for something else. This has been, as you all know, what I would call a terrible week. Just awful. And frankly, it's depressing. And I thought to myself, okay, you're called to be a priest of the church. You're called to believe in the gospel. You do. And you're called to give a message of hope and healing. Well, now there's the challenge, isn't it? Hard to sing a song of hope when things are so bad. I am, I believe, literally clinging to God's word this morning as to a lifeline. I realized this when I happened upon a New York Times newsletter on wellness. The term explored was psychic numbing. I thought, oh yeah, that's me. Psychic numbing. I am just plain numb. I connected with this phrase and what was happening to me and probably to many of you. The tears I feel when I think of the children in Nivalde, the people in Buffalo and other places, as well as the tragedies around the world, they threaten to drown me, but worse yet, to paralyze. What do we do with this? So became my question, and I think my question is probably your question. What can I do? How can I continue to live with a compassionate heart and resist walling myself off from the horrors that we face? How can I possibly do that? And then we read our gospel narrative, which is set this, the last verse we read, verse Chapter 17, verse 26, is the last verse before John recounts the passion of Jesus. It is the last verse before death and resurrection. And so we read, Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these, my disciples, know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. That God's love may be in us and Christ in us. Earlier in this gospel, we read in the Gospel of John, the total text, we read, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus tells his disciples that the world will not receive them. It will not be an easy journey. Disciples of Jesus are on a rough road. And if you don't know that this morning, you will never know it. This is a rough road we are on. We are in a hard place. So what do we do? 
we pray. We pray as Jesus prayed. Father, forgive them. We pray as Paul prayed during his captivity. Paul prayed, we, we, we read that Paul and Silas were praying and singing psalms of praise to God as prisoners who'd just been beaten badly and put in shackles. They were still praying. It's a rough road we're on and we're called to pray. And the next verse is so important to me. The other prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening to them. The world, believe it or not, is listening to us, the believers. Those who are holding prayer services, singing hymns of lament, of praise, of hope. We are, as the poet and writer May Sarton phrased it, the hopeful gardeners. Her whole phrase is, help us to be the always hopeful gardeners of the spirit. In this moment in our liturgical year, we are between ascension and the coming of the spirit. We are in a place in between. And we wait for the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with God's love. We cannot succumb to psychic numbness. That is despair in some form. So the cost is dear, but the call is clear. We may cry out with the Psalms of lament, we, but we cry out in hope. Go to the Psalms this week. Look at the Psalms of Lament, Psalm 120, Psalm 121. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my prayer. And when you read the Psalms of Lament, they always end with a word of hope or trust or belief in God and God's mercy and God's rescue. We cry out because our heart, in our hearts, we know God is there with us in suffering and pain. We cry out because we believe that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again, which is what we heard in Revelation this morning. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am I am is a simple phrase. It is the holy name of God. I am the Alpha and the Omega. God is our beginning and our ending on this very rocky road. A scholar, William Willimon, wrote in a reflection on the Acts of the Apostles, they, the disciples, are told that they are witnesses to the end of the earth and their first response is prayer. The action demanded of the church is more than busyness and strenuous human effort. Disciples have been told that the promised kingdom is a gift to be given 
in God's own time, and that the promised spirit is also, by God's grace, their their mission requires more than even their earnest striving. So too for us, our mission requires more than our earnest striving, more than the work we do. Disciples of Jesus pray. We pray whether we are in chains or on the cross or in a very good and happy space. It's that simple, we pray. We too have the promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us, to prevent us from falling into psychic numbness. So this is our moment, a significant pause in our remembrance of the mighty acts of God in and through Jesus Christ. It is our moment to pray. And when I pray, I often think of that wonderful hymn, There is a Bomb in Gilead. Remember those words? Sometimes I feel discouraged. Well, that would be understatement at about now. And think my work is in vain. Well, if you've been preaching the gospel for 35 plus years and the world is still a mess, you have to wonder, don't you? You're tempted, I'm tempted, but I pray. And then the next line of the hymn, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. I can't explain it, I just know it is. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say, he died for all. Amen. Help us to be the always hopeful gardeners of the Spirit. Amen.